Welcome to Talking with the Animals, an exploration of animal communication. Join animal communicator, craniosacral therapist, and NES practitioner Caroline Pope as she discusses how to understand other species as they truly are, not just from the human perspective. That's right, Mecco. Discover how communicating with our four-legged friends can open up a whole new world for both of you. And now, your host and Australia's most recognized and well-known animal communicator, Caroline Pope. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Talking with the Animals. I'm your host, Caroline Pope. Thank you for joining me. Today, I'm basically going to be talking about dogs I've been going through, friends of mine have been asking me to help them find a dog. Remind me never to go down this track again, please. And I've been going through more dogs than I care to remember or think about on the internet. One of the big things they've been asking me, and I thought it was a really, really intelligent and valid question, was how much does the dog's breed affect the characteristics of the specific dog And do we really need to take it into account for our lifestyle? And I thought, great question, very, very multi-layered. There's no one specific yes or no for that. So I am going to try and cover it in this podcast. Uh, They also asked about the bully breeds, which I'm rather fond of, I have to admit, and breed-specific legislation. So I'll cover breed-specific legislation fairly quickly Um, basically, as far as I'm concerned, it's a load of the proverbial. It is the individual animal, not the breed. The sort of, well, it's government officials because we all know what they're like. Um, And it's the sort of idiots that like to say it's because a person is black or white or Middle Eastern or Asian or whatever and like to make those generalizations that make the same type of generalizations about dogs. Um, and yeah, basically they haven't, they don't use the brains God, uh, well, may or may not have given them, but BSL load of, don't even go there. Now, as far as individual breeds, yes, you do need to cover the characteristics when you're looking at getting a dog. These characteristics have been bred into the dog for thousands, hundreds, if not thousands of years. And, of course, you can't breed something into an animal's DMA for hundreds or thousands of years and then go, yeah, but it's not going to count in this particular dog. doesn't work that way. But by the same token, some dogs will display those characteristics more than others. For example, beagles they've been bred as a hound to have their nose on the ground and sniff which is why they're such fabulous um, drug detected dogs and tracking dogs and so forth because their nose basically they're never happier than when their nose is on the ground and they're checking something out now some dogs may just want to sniff and they're fine as pets other beagles may be that somewhat obsessive compulsive about using their nose and I remember one that fortunately for the dog, it had just been rehoused for the third time and in an hour and a half it had cost $40,000. Yep, 40 k 
worth of damage ripping at walls and stuff and it was taken back to the shelter to be euthanized and someone at the shelter had the bright idea of calling the drug squad he went yep we'll try it and if it doesn't work well he ends the same well this dog took to it like a duck to water and it's still to this day their best working dog and when every other dog is flagging after an hour or two this dog is still all it wants to do is work and it thinks it's died and gone to heaven so that gives you an example of the differences within you know two beagles same breed two completely different animals and i mean we're all humans we all have different personalities and characteristics now in the shelter at the moment there's a lot of bully breeds bully crosses and working dogs yes a bit of a generalization but i'd say 70% of what i saw were either bullies staffies mastiffs crosses thereof or border collies kelpies coolies Bully breeds I am quite a fan of. I have had bull Arabs in the past and they can be a fabulous dog. One of the main reasons I no longer have bull Arabs is because they're bred for hunting. Now that's fine if you're a pig hunter out in rural Queensland, for example, but may not be so politically correct when it's chasing little white fluffy Maltese cross um, at the off-lead dog park. Now, I had two litter brothers. One of them, Seri, couldn't let him off lead. Um, he would have been off like a shot. He was very much the eye sighthound part of the breed, whereas Mandu could have let him off with a whole bunch of chickens around and he just would have laid down and let him walk all over the top of him. Same litter, two completely different personalities. But they do like to chase um, a lot of people suddenly find them too strong. Well, perhaps you should have put the training in when you were younger. Oh, they're so big and expensive to feed. Well, why didn't you think of that beforehand? I am the first to say in the rental crisis right now and the homing crisis that it's really, really damn hard to get a, um, a home at the moment. And it's not, you know, me personally, I'll be living in my car. There's not a snowball's chance in hell I will ever give up my dog, but that's one reason at the moment I do understand why people give up a dog and that's not a decision I envy them and sometimes it is better for the dog but the majority of what's in the pound at the moment are simply because people don't think or the old oh well it's disposable I'll get it and if I don't like it I'll just dump it I don't know what you think you're teaching your kids people but um yeah, oh, my child didn't like it. Well, I sincerely hope as you get older, they don't like you either and throw you in old people's home, preferably one um, that isn't, doesn't treat their residents particularly well. That would be the karma train coming back. Sorry, that is rant, but it is one of my um, all-time hatreds. Now, the bully breeds, the staffies, etc. people hate pit bulls in particular. I am a pity lover, I've got to say. Um, all the people, oh, but they'll kill other dogs. There is a bit of truth in that. If you go back through the history, they were also known as the nanny dog and you're not going to get anything better or more loyal than a pity. However, they are bred to fight as are staffies, as are English bullies. When I was 16, many years ago, I know, I worked at the St Kilda Vet Clinic 
and the police used to regularly bring in – there weren't staffies in those days. They were the English Bull Terriers. They used to bring the English bullies in when they captured them for the fighting rings. We had to hold on to five for two or three weeks at the vet clinic at one stage. Of course, things were quite different back then. And you'd be stitching these dogs up under a local and all they would do would be lick your hands. They were the most beautiful dogs. And it still breaks my heart to this day um, thinking about when we had to euthanize them. But you couldn't keep them. These dogs had both the environment and the hereditary that every time they saw any type of dog, they'd try and kill it. There was only one ending for them was the kindest thing for them as well. But others that may have been in their litters that hadn't gone through the dog fighting rings may well have made fabulous pets. But if you do take on a bully breed and also Akitas and ones like that, they were bred for fighting. Anything that's been fed for um, bred for fighting or eating, yeah, temperament's usually going to be left out of it there, folks. So you've, you've got to keep that in mind. And it doesn't mean that they can't be good, but it does mean from a young age, you need to put in the socialization and be aware. Some of these dogs, you may not be able to let off lead as they get older. Not unless you can find somewhere um, that has a completely enclosed good cyclone wire fence that you can be 100% sure your dog can't get out of. There are a few of those in Melbourne. I use one for um, Mecco from time to time, an off-lead park that has those requirements, which he needs. Uh, but it does mean I've got to drive a 55k round trip whenever I want to use it. And that's fine. That's my choice. Also, the sight hounds. Um, I often see greyhounds, people suddenly decide, oh, but I want to let it off-lead. Well, guess what? It's been bred to run around. And, I mean, nothing is going to be more purpose-bred than a greyhound. They don't run fast and chase things. They get killed. Some of them can be eventually let off lead, but most of them, no. So have a think about that. It's the same with the sight hounds, the Afghans, the deer hounds, the wolf hounds, the borzois, all these sorts can be great dogs, but are very misunderstood. They're bred to see something in the distance, then chase it. So then don't complain when they have been bred like that for thousands of years that they suddenly hurtle off. Um, into the distance and they have no recall. These dogs can be great and they can be very, very good trackers too, but they're not ones that you can let your five or no one ever should, but people seem to let their five-year-old take it down to the off-lead dog park and think everything's going to be hunky-dory because it's not. The Livestock Guardians, my big bugbear. Um, as most of you know, I own Meko, a subplanonac. I have owned Anatolians in the past, also known as Anatolian Shepherds, Kangles or Carabashes, take it, call it what you will. Sarps are also known as Macedonian Mountain Dogs or Yugoslavian Mountain Dogs. These dogs are bred to guard livestock. They're not bred for suburbia and they bark a lot generally because that's what they've been designed to do is bark to warn away the predators. I noticed the uh, Gembrook Vet Clinic. Tom had a uh, post up this week saying that they were trying to house a two-year-old Maremma 
Um, they're the little, the big white fluffy ones that are um, down at Phillip Island, for those of you that aren't sure, that um, guard the uh, the penguins. So, yeah, they've got a marema and they've got it in an inner city courtyard and I have no doubt the neighbours are not happy. But when you research the breed, why in God's name would you get one? Oh, that's right, because they're cute. Speaking of cute and fluffy, um, I have noticed it and I've got to say I had Anatolians for 10, 15 years. I've had three of them, um, and in the within three weeks of having my Saplananak, I have seen more rehouse ads for Saps than I saw for Anatolians the whole time I had them. Um, I think I only knew of six all up Anatolians that were rehoused, and unfortunately, two of those were to the one owner who took her own life. So there aren't many, and generally because most of certainly the breeder that I use Lily here in Melbourne um, she's absolutely brilliant and really does her research about who gets her dogs and which dog goes to what person and I wish more breeders would do that now I don't know who's breeding sups in Victoria Um, I do know I'd probably like to shoot them Uh, I have seen so many I would say conservatively 30 now, there are very rare breed, the Saps. Um, I would say 50 to 1 Anatolian to Saps, and yet it's the Saps I'm seeing. I think part of it is because they're fluffy. Everyone calls them um, bear or shaggy or teddy bear when I walk past. Um, everybody wants to pat them when I walk past. Fortunately, Mecca quite likes the attention, so it's not too bad. He's a fabulous ambassador for the breed. And look, they are the most adorable puppies, I'm the first to say. But just because he's an adorable puppy does not mean, as you all know with Mecco, he got put on a chain and the RSPCA seized him and cut the chain out of his neck. But so many of them, I see people get them for suburban backyards and then go, oh, well, hang on a minute. They are too possessive of us. Well, duh, that's what they're bred to do. If you're not guarding livestock, you'll be guarding your people and your cats and whatever other animals you have. And they bark too much. Well, again, why did you get a dog bred to bark a lot if you don't want one that barks a lot? Now, that's not to say you can't put work in. Mecco, I'm incredibly fortunate. And yes, we are now in a small suburban um, yard, very small actually, but he's perfectly happy and most of the time the neighbours don't even know he's there. He is that quiet. But it's being aware and, yes, he is also, because of his injuries he's, and his history, he is also slightly different um, and managing his pain and his pain levels is an ongoing. But it doesn't mean it can't be done. It means you put in more work. The working breeds that I'm seeing at the moment in the pounds – um, lots and lots of border collies and border collie crosses, lots and lots of kelpies, and unfortunately now we're starting to see a lot of coolies as well. These are high-energy working dogs. And look, I'm the first to say there's nothing more beautiful than looking at a well-groomed, well-trained border collie. They are a stunning dog. Guess what, folks? It doesn't happen instantaneously. You have to put in the work. And all these people that have got these dogs in lockdown, someone says they're high energy. That's why I've had pointers in the past. Fabulous dog, fabulous, fabulous family dog. We'll never have another. I 
don't have the tolerance, the time or the energy for a high energy dog. I'm realistic about what I get. Um, And these dogs, I see so many of them in tiny little courtyards that now bark or dig because they're bored and frustrated now that people have gone back to work. People haven't put the time or the training in. And it's like a very bright child. The more um, smart or the smarter they are, the more important it is to get them to use their brain so they don't act up in school. And these people are having these dogs in tiny little apartments, um, and then they don't put any work into them. What I'm also seeing, and a lot of these dogs now are in a lot of pain, is because the owner's way of dealing with the energy is to get a bloody ball thrower and chuck the ball repeatedly. Worst thing you can do for one of those dogs. They're continually in fight, flight already. That you don't want them in any more fight, flight. You want the dopamine and the serotonin problem solving. They're the types of brain waves you want. And what are you doing? You're kicking up more adrenaline by throwing the ball and damaging the dog's body. So many of these dogs, people do agility to, in brackets, you know, try and control them. The dogs are hyped, they're adrenalized, and they're miserable, and the owners are encouraging it. Oh, but I want, I want. None of it's about the dog. Now, whilst I personally would never have a working dog in an apartment, one of um, my clients has two. She's the only person I'd ever suggest that does that, but she puts in the most amazing amount of work to make sure her dogs, she's fully, fully aware. She wasn't always, she used to be in the country. She wasn't always in an apartment. Usual story with the divorce. She wasn't prepared to rehome the dogs. She said, no, they are mine, my responsibility. She's now in an apartment and the amount of work she puts in to make sure those dogs are still well mentally and physically worked and as they should be, is absolutely brilliant. I take my hat off to her. Unfortunately, very, very few people are prepared to put in the effort to do so. You want the dog you want. A dog, as the old saying goes, a dog is for Chris, not just for Christmas. A dog is for life. Seriously, uh, whoever has the rights to that sticker, can you please put a dog is for life, not just for COVID? Because I really do think at the moment that would be rather appropriate. I'm the first to say that with the cost of living going up, animals are becoming a bit of a luxury. I'm the first to say I have seen clients that have had to euthanize their animals when an injury happened because they couldn't afford the vet fees. I understand what I don't understand and I'm seeing more and more of is, oh, the dog's always got its nose on the ground or, oh, we're getting rid of the dog because it dug up the backyard. Well, why did it dig up the backyard? Oh, we went away for a holiday for five days and left it with an automatic feeder. And I was talking to someone yesterday who just found out one of her relatives had done that for nine days with an automatic feeder. Don't even start me. But these are the sorts of things you need to look at. And if the dog's digging up the yard because it's bored, why? 
what are you doing wrong? And, oh, well, you know, I don't have the time anymore. No, but you've got the time to go and party and camp on weekends with all your mates or I can't afford it. Now, in some cases, that's true. But I'm sorry, if you can afford to drink, you can afford to smoke and you can afford to go away on holidays, you can afford your dog. You're simply choosing different priorities and I'll never let people off that one. So really have a think about why you're getting the dog and the breed of dog that you're getting. No one can guarantee 100% the characteristics even in a so-called purebred, let alone a crossbred. But every dog has been bred for purpose and matching up purpose and lifestyle between you and your dog realistically gives you both a good chance of having a long, happy life together. If your dog is not working out, get in someone, be realistic. And if you can't, you suddenly realize that you've got this cute puppy and you really don't want a dog, rehome while it's a cute puppy. It'll have a good chance of something. Don't wait till it's the proverbial troubled teen at nine to 12 months of age because there are so many dogs in a shelter because basically people are not prepared to accept their responsibility in an awful lot of cases and put in the work that they promised the breeder or the person in the shelter or whoever they got the dog off that they would do so. You may only have a dog part-time whilst you're doing other things, but for your dog, you are their whole life. You owe it to them to make it a good one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking with the Animals. As always, don't forget to like and subscribe, and I'd really appreciate it if you left a review. As always, if you have any uh, topics you'd like to cover or questions, drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. Stay safe, and as always, remember, until next time, talk with the animals. Thank you for listening to Talking with the Animals. To learn more about Caroline and the services she provides, visit caroline-pope.com. You can also find her on Facebook at Caroline Pope Animal Communicator CST and NES Therapy. Are you ready to change the way you see your world and the animals in it? Well, we know his answer. Don't forget to subscribe and see you next time.